You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. Have you ever heard any of the getting older quotes such as, I'm another year older, wiser and happier? Or this one, as you get older, you don't get wiser, you get irritable. So what's the real truth about aging? What does science say about aging and our happiness? Do we really get better with age? Today, we have Dr. Alan Castell, a professor in the Department of Psychology at UCLA. He studies learning, memory, and aging, and is very interested in how people can selectively remember important information. He's also the best-selling author of The Better With Age, The Psychology of Successful Aging, which addresses the many myths, paradoxes, and scientific research about the aging process. Great to have you here on Wellness for Life, Dr. Allen. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, let's dive into some of the common myths of aging. What have you found in your research uh, for your book? Well, I think just starting with the concept of age, age can be an important number. We certainly pay attention to it, especially at every birthday, but it can also be deceiving. Um, And after the age of 40, most people say they actually feel younger than their years. Um, People even lie about their age. They attempt to hide the signs of growing older. So my book tries to address some of the myths and paradoxes that surround the aging process. And one is that, you know, it doesn't all get worse as we get older. In fact, things like happiness and life satisfaction can really blossom as we get older. And even though our memory might not be as sharp as it once was, we can compensate quite well. And my lab at UCLA studies how we become more selective about what we try and remember as we get older, knowing that we can't remember everything we might focus on the things that are most important to us. And that actually might be fairly adaptive as we get older. So what's important to us? I totally understand that. You know, what's really interesting is in my culture, I'm Korean. I'm from uh, South Korea. And um, there is a lot of handed down information from my my grandparents down to my mother. A lot of information gets passed down in our lives. And I think that really also improves our, our memory and, and uh, shapes us into the, as we get older. So as I'm getting older, I actually talk more about my history. Have you found that to be true? I think our, our culture and our family history shapes who we are, and that's very much the root of our memory. Um, and so, you know, maybe when we're younger, we're trying to break out of the house and find our own jobs and professions and partners. But only as we get older do we kind of return to our roots, like who, who am I and, and why Why did my parents grow this way? What happened to my family? What are some of the challenges my family encountered and that I also encountered in life? So I think it's it's very true that those are some of our richest and most rewarding memories, the ones passed down from from our family or the ones we experienced. And so I think some some research suggests this socio-emotional selectivity theory that as we get older, we're more in tune with our emotional goals. And that can often involve family. So we want to spend more time with our family. We want to better understand our close connections, you know, who who we are and why we work certain ways. So we might turn to our families and and understand the source of um, our stories and and why we might be more interested in some things and less interested in other things. And that's very different than the person we were when we were 20 or 30, let's say, when we were trying to be more information gatherers or kind of strengthening your resume and trying to get out in the world and, you know, do something. 
So um, I think our goals change as we get older, and that's important. It's not that our, you know, everything declines. We really change, and our goals become more focused on the things that are most meaningful to us. And that can can happen when you retire. It can happen before you retire. It can happen when you change jobs. Maybe you're, you know, more focused on spending time on the things that really matter most to you as you get older. Mm. You know, um, I just came back from a trip last night, an RV trip. And this is my first big thing that I did for myself. Um, my husband's not into RVing and being in a, you know, like a small close quarters. But what I did do is I picked up my sister, older sister, Lisa. And we went and enjoyed the northern um, area of California, Tahoe, and around there. And one thing that we did do, which is really interesting, is that my sister and I talked a lot about family and what happened as we were growing up. And some of us have amazing, I mean, like, I have incredible memories of what happened as a child and what I went through. And But my sister had absolutely no idea. Now, you think of you, you you work on memory and that's your research so what happened I mean I'm I was curious of why is it that my older sister she would have more memories only because you know she's older three years older than I but she doesn't remember half the things that I remember I think that's what's interesting about memory is it's very idiosyncratic that you know one person can remember one thing another person can remember it a different way um, they might claim to remember it better but there could also be not you know glaringly inaccurate information, but some false memories that you remember things consistent with the way you want to remember them. So I think that's what's interesting. Even if someone claims they have a better memory or might be older, they might not remember certain things. Maybe it wasn't important to them. Maybe, um, you know, they remember it in a way that that fits the narrative that they think makes most sense. And I think that's why memory is fascinating, that even the, the simple things um, for example, I, I, I've used this example just because you've seen something many times doesn't mean you remember it well. Um, so, for example, the Apple logo, you, you, we all have seen the Apple logo millions of times probably. But if I asked you what side is the bite on or is there a stem or a leaf at the top and which way does it point? All of a sudden, you might kind of struggle with those details. So even though you've seen it so many times, it doesn't mean you know it precisely. And I think that can generalize to other things that you might have had experiences when you were younger that have a big impression on you. But, you know, when you go back, it might not be exactly the way you think of it. On the other hand, sometimes you claim you might not be able to remember things only to go back to your high school reunion. And then all of this comes flooding back to you. So I think having the right cues, the right context can really matter. So if you're around family or friends, sometimes you will spend more time reliving memories that you hadn't thought of in a long time. And I think that's what's amazing about memory is that even if you hadn't thought of something in a long time, you can still remember it well. Um, and even if you think you should remember something well because you've seen it so many times, you might not remember it that well. Right. Well, that you know segues nicely into the conditions that we all fear, my mom calls it old timers, you know, it's Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Uh, do you work with uh, those types of conditions or at least research that at your lab? Well, we study healthy aging. So we're really interested in how to differentiate healthy aging from more pathological aging um, and what sorts of signs might, might be indicators of that. So we, we don't do any interventions, but I can speak to, you know, some methods that seem to be helpful likely before we get dementia. And that's that's the challenging thing about dementia is there's no real cure. Um, and the best thing is prevention. 
And I think the best research out there on preventing dementia and keeping your memory sharp, it's not crossword puzzles, it's not blueberries, you know, it's not something you can eat while you're sitting down, it's physical exercise. And there's really good research saying that walking is good for both your brain and your body. And one study found that people who walk three times a week for 40 minutes showed an increase in the size of their hippocampus, the, the key part of the brain involved in memory, compared to people who were randomly assigned to a group to, to stretch three times a week for 40 minutes. So you're really seeing a change in the brain that can be attributed to physical exercise. And, and this part of the brain, the hippocampus, typically starts to decline after the age of 50. Um, and in the, the walking group, they actually found an increase in the volume of the hippocampus after one year. And this increase means improved brain health and better memory. Um, so as we, as we age, we need to do things to prevent our brain from declining. And while cognitive stimulation can be very important, traveling, going, you know, with an RV, meeting new people, that sort of cognitive stimulation is incredibly important. But physical exercise is also important to kind of keep the blood moving and to ensure your brain can, can maintain connections. Um, I think another thing that's probably just as important that, uh, you know, we talk about memory, and I think that's what most people are concerned about as we get older, but balance isn't something that we're not aware of. Um, people over the age of 65, one in three are, are likely to experience a fall after the age of 65, and a fall can result in a broken hip, a broken collarbone, um, and that can lead to a long period of recovery. And while you're recovering, you're not walking. And if you're not walking, then your brain can start to decline. So it, it, these things are all connected. And so I think probably the best things we can do to stay sharp is to stay active, um, trying new things, having some variety, and walking. But I think balance training is not something people typically think of. And if I asked you, you know, today, how's your memory, you'd probably report back, it's good for this, it's bad for this, or I forgot this. But if I asked you, how's your balance? you wouldn't really know. You say, well, it seems fine. I haven't, you know, I, I'm on my feet. And, but I, I ask people to try balancing on one leg for 30 seconds and it can be challenging. And you don't notice your balance until you might experience a fall. And a lot of people might fall when they're getting out of bed in the middle of the night and there's a carpet or a pet and they stumble. Um, so being able to have good balance is something we can train and, and a good bit of advice that I did get from one of our older adults who comes into the lab is she brushes her teeth in the morning balancing on one leg and she does it for one minute on <laughs> one leg and then switches to the other leg for one minute and uh, she says that's how she keeps herself you know in good shape and I, I now try that and I notice on some days my balance is good but on some days I struggle with it um, and I wouldn't notice that unless I was doing these exercises so I think being aware of balance can can be very important as we get older. Oh, you know, you reminded me of, of what happened this week. I was in Tahoe and we were crossing a creek. There was a trail, it's beautiful, really amazing. There was a creek there and there was a log, you know, just a, a fallen tree and a log there. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? Boy, I better, you know, if I would have been younger, I would have just just ran across it without a problem. But I was a, a bit more careful. Um, of course, I didn't fall or anything, and I did fine. But there's no doubt, as I'm getting older, it is it is uh, balance is and can be an issue. And I just felt a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more resistance in crossing that log. One of the things that I also realized is that 
doing a new activity. You know, this RV thing is a brand new thing to me. Um, I bought it about, you know, 10 days ago and I got it all ready. I was so excited. And this was something that I wanted to do for gosh, for the last 20 years. But my, my, my husband's not a camping kind of guy. He doesn't like going into that kind of RV and going from place to place. But I figured that, you know, this is the perfect time to do it during COVID, right? Because when you're in with COVID-19 and all that, and you're trying to self-isolate, I don't have to go into the restaurants or the gas stations to go to the bathroom. If I travel, I can be in my own. I can pick up food and make my own. I couldn't believe how much fun it was just making my own food in my own little, you know, apartment on wheels. But one of the things that I realized is that when you're in an RV, and you're doing things, you have to have certain types of steps. You got to remember all of these checklists you, before you take off or right when you get into the campsite. And it really created some major brain, <laughs> brain neural pathways. I was so happy with that. And I slept really well and I couldn't believe I come back. I'm two pounds lighter. Now I don't have a lot of weight to lose. I really don't, Alan, but I will tell you with all the activity that we did, and we ate good meals and, you know, not, not skimpy meals, I ate good sized meals. And sure enough, I lost weight, but that the movement and remembering and learning new things was fantastic for my brain. Yeah, I think that's a great um, adventure and being able to challenge yourself. You know, some people don't want to do that. They don't want to go camping and hiking, but just being able to get out and even walk around the neighborhood in a different direction. Um, I think COVID is leading to a lot of challenges for many people in that we keep doing the same things, we're stuck indoors. But if you can have some variety, like even try that balancing on one foot that you might have not tried. I've tried, I, um, you know, I play piano, not that well, but I've tried a new musical instrument. So I'm trying to play harmonica and, um, you know, it's challenging and it's not always rewarding, but it's something I probably would not have picked up if I kept my busy lifestyle before where I felt like I didn't even have time to, to play piano. So I think th these challenges can present, you know, opportunities if you take advantage of them. And even just walking around the neighborhood and noticing things you might not have noticed, like the crepe myrtle trees that are blooming now, or things that you might, you know, see all the time, just like the Apple logo, you see them all the time, you might not notice some of the, the finer details. And it sounds like your trip has led to all sorts of things that you hadn't thought of that we when we make meals at home, it's pretty, you know, we're on autopilot, or, you know, we're challenged by the what we need to prepare. But if you had to go somewhere else, you have all these new checklists and challenges, and that can be very stimulating for your brain. Very much so. And my, my body, for sure. You know, in your book, Better With Age, you got to interview some famous older Americans to, I, I'm assuming, to find out what their, their experiences, what they found over F as they age, if they're happier, they're wiser, and they're really enjoying their life. Can you share a couple of of what you a couple of things that you learned? Yeah, absolutely. I think part of the the motivation for my book Better with Age was to give people some food for thought that it doesn't have to be a, a decline with age. And that in fact, as we get older, we can experience things and do things that we might have never done before, like even your RV trip. Um and I think those things can be incredibly important to consider as we get older. So, um you know, the psychology behind motivation often shows that if we can find someone who's done something or mirror what someone's done or even just have a mentor, that can be very helpful. And so when I started thinking about what it means to age well, I thought of, well, who are some 
people that we think can can age well or have aged well. And oftentimes we might think of our parent or a grandparent um, or a coach or a teacher. So I, I had the opportunity to interview people like Bob Newhart, John Glenn, Maya Angelou, John Wooden, all these people who really opened up to me about, you know, what it meant to age well and what sorts of activities they've done. And in some cases, they couldn't retire. They were addicted to their job. They got a lot of reinforcement from it. They certainly had physical challenges in their life. You know, John Glenn used to jog all the time, and now he, you know, he changed to walking. Um, Jared Diamond did a lot of hiking and, and bird watching. Bob Newhart and his said that humor is probably one of the most important things you need as you get older. You're gonna you're gonna need a sense of humor. And uh, Maya Angelou said, "I recite poetry all the time. I also teach poetry." But I think everything keeps you sharp. Talking to another human being keeps you sharp. So I think social connections become incredibly important as we get older. Um, and John Wooden shared kind of some very good advice towards the end of the interview I had with him. He said, there's really two words that are the most important words in the English language. And as a good teacher, you know, Coach Wooden was a, was a teacher before he was a coach at, at UCLA. He made me guess those two words, and I don't know if you want me to put you on the spot. <laughs> no, he, don't. <laughs> he, told me, uh, he told me to guess those two words, and of course I couldn't guess them. And he told me the first word um, was love. Um, oh. You have to be around the people you love and find the things you love. And he had a very rewarding career where he worked with many different people. Um, he had you know, a wife for a long period of time. She passed away well before he did. He still wrote her letters every month. He wouldn't sleep on her side of the bed. Um, so he, he said love is the most important word in the English language. And the second most important word was something we've touched on already, but it's balance. And I think he meant balance both in terms of physical balance, but also mental balance. Um, we need to balance our work, our life, our family. If we get too into one thing, we're neglecting other things. And that's that's a struggle for many of us is to find balance, especially during COVID when we're, you know, at home or not having the same social interactions we might have at work. And so finding balance can be very challenging. It's probably the most challenging thing we do in life. And making sure we have good physical balance because that's something we don't notice until um, it's gone. And so I, I, you know, standing on one leg, wouldn't actually suffer to fall um, going to the bathroom late at night and bloke broke his collarbone and broke his wrist. And interestingly, he lay on the floor for six or seven hours um, until help came in the morning. His, his caretaker came and he didn't want to call anyone. He didn't want to interrupt anyone or bother anyone, which is mm. an interesting issue that, you know, why if you needed help, who would you turn to and how could you do it? But also what are some of the psychological barriers between knowing who you can turn to and when and why. So I think balance and love, that, that I thought captured it very nicely in terms of the things that become especially important as we get older. Wow, that's great information there. You know, when you asked, um, the first thing that you said, when you did it say, well, should I put you on the spot? My first thought, of course, it was no. But my, as soon as I said it, I thought love would be my word. That would be mine. I don't know if it was John's. I just said that was, was came up. And a lot of us, as we age, we lose our family. They, they pass on. Um, some of us, um, they get divorced. Others, they're single. You know, they're single. They're, they don't have a partner um, like that. And, and 
like I have a lot of patients and there are more women. I've got about probably 60% women, 40% men. And then of course I've got children, but with the, I have more women patients that are single. They're lonely. They're in their sixties into their seventies and they're by themselves. And I can tell that they're lonely. And that's one of their, one of the things that, um, uh, plays, plays a big role in their day-to-day lives. And especially now with COVID, you know, they're even more self-isolated. What do you say to that? How does loneliness affect our memory and affect our future, our health? Yeah, loneliness is a growing issue, not just for older people, but for younger people, because we turn a lot to the internet or Facebook for our social connection, but that, that isn't as rewarding as we think it is. So even if you have a lot of Facebook friends, could you really turn to someone and ask for help, um, you know, call them on the phone? Who do you really know that well? And as we get older, as you said, our social circle tends to shrink. People move away, people pass away. Um, but the quality of some of those relationships can really get better. And so maybe you'll have fewer people you turn to, but those might be, you know, maybe it's your sister or maybe a friend you've reconnected with or, you know, joining a club or a group where you meet people who have similar concerns or similar challenges can be very rewarding. And most people don't realize that when they retire or move, they leave behind a large social network. And even just the small talk we've had at our workplace can be an important part of being connected. Um, I think there's also some stigma associated with saying you're lonely. So people might not want to talk about it, making it kind of a silent issue. Um, So family, friends, even pets can help, but often people need to have regular interactions to make them feel valued or understood. And sometimes that can just be a regular at a coffee shop or a library or a volunteer group or exercise class. And those can be great ways to stay connected. It's especially challenging now during COVID But I think it's important to find, you know, the people that challenge you and the people that make you feel good, uh, people who might have similar interests, but also people who are stimulating and and try and cultivate those relationships as you get older. Mm, Thank you for that. Yes. So, you know, we've got only a few more minutes here, Ellen. I'm, I'm assuming, of course, because of all the good stuff we talked about, it is better with age, is it not? I believe so. Well, I think it. I mean, I think it's different with age. I, I think that the myth that I tried to to challenge is that it doesn't get worse, and maybe who knows if it gets better, but it gets different. And I think a lot of those differences can be rewarding. We sometimes people don't worry as much. They, you know, as when we're younger, we used to w- maybe worry about all the small things and little things. And as we get older, we have more perspective or a greater appreciation of life and how fragile it is. So, you know, life satisfaction can get better in older age and often older adults, if you're healthy, report higher levels of day-to-day happiness compared to college-age students who might struggle with depression. Um, And I think there's some evidence suggesting older adults focus more on positive things in their lives, whereas younger people may worry and fret over, you know, important life decisions. And I think what I think is most surprising is middle age seems to be a low point in terms of happiness, which could be for a number of reasons. But I think it's nice to know that can, it can get better with age um, if we take care of ourselves, if we're around the people who we love, if we can find balance in our life. There's a lot we can look forward to as we get older. That's all great information here, Dr. Allen. Can you tell us where we can find more about you and your book, Better With Age? Certainly. The book is available on Amazon, Better With Age, The Psychology of Successful Aging. And I also run a lab at UCLA. If people are interested in getting more information, you can find our link through the Department of Psychology. 
Um, and I, I think it's important to engage in the topics of aging. Um, sometimes it's something we make jokes about that it gets worse with age. Um, but I think the book is meant to give people some broader perspective on aging. And there are challenges we face, and we've seen dementia in our parents or our grandparents. But I think if we're proactive, and that's why this book is not just meant for people who are older, it's meant for people at, at any stage in life to appreciate the control that we can have. Um, because our genes are, only tell us so much about what we can do. I think our behavior, we have a lot more control over our behavior and our motivation. And there's a lot to do as we get older to to make sure we stay sharp and stay active. That's great. Thank you. Uh, before we finish, what do you do? What's the one thing that you absolutely do so that you continue to better with age? Well, I don't know if I'm a great role model all the time. I think <laughs> we all have our habits and, you know, but I, I've learned so much by being around older people when I was a child, around my grandparents and now, now studying aging. Um, but I think it's important to find the things that are important to you in life and really try and spend time doing them. Um, even though that's not always possible. So, I, you know, like I said, I've taken up some new hobbies. Um, I enjoy spending time with my family, but I think being physically active and, and having balance are so important and things that we often forget about. So taking a walk every day or every other day, trying to be in nature, these sorts of things I think are, are more rewarding. And thankfully, being in Southern California, we have a lot of opportunities to be at the beach or go on hikes um, and enjoy ourselves. So I try and take time as much as I can and remind myself that despite all the other worries and concerns in the world to, to try and focus on the positive things and the things that we can do to enjoy our life. Thank you, Dr. Alan Castell. Such great information. Really happy to talk about all about better with age, the psychology of successful aging. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Oh, you too. Great information. I know you, anyone who's listening right now, you've learned a great deal, great deal so that you can and better, better with age, but also share this with your loved ones so they can change their life too. Please subscribe if you haven't already so we can continue to do our very best here on Wellness for Life. If you need help in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. And my contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.